0: And now it's time to check in on the state of science. This is KERA, For WWNO, St. Louis Public Radio KKT. Iowa Public Radio News. Local science stories of national significance. An experiment is happening in a South Georgia forest. A startup claims that hybrid poplar trees will be able to sequester tons of carbon from the atmosphere. What's more, this is the first time a genetically modified tree has been planted in a U.S. forest. But what exactly do we know about these trees, and will this carbon capture project actually work? Joining me to talk through this story is my guest, Grant Blankenship, is a reporter for Georgia Public Broadcasting based in Macon, Georgia. Grant, welcome to Science Friday.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: So first of all, tell us, what exactly are these trees, genetically speaking, and how exactly were they made?
1: Well, so what you're starting with is actually a pretty common tree. It's a hybrid of two poplars that are native to Europe, the white poplar and the quaking aspen. So here the researchers cloned one of these female poplar hybrids a bunch of times, and then they took what's a common soil bacteria and used it to carry genes from plants like pumpkin and creosote into the genome of these tiny poplar clones, And so the idea here is that by restricting the expression of that one gene, the trees would become better at making their own food. And in turn, they would really pack on the biomass.
0: So what exactly is the carbon sequestration that's being promised with these trees? Because we hear an awful lot about attempts to sequester more carbon from the atmosphere.
1: Right. So, you know, Living Carbon is the name of the company that's selling these trees and they make two claims about them. Um, One, they promise that this This genetic manipulation of photosynthesis is going to make the trees grow twice as fast as unmodified poplars, as the ones that haven't had this transgenic overhaul. And then remember, you know, photosynthesis, trees sort of breathe in carbon dioxide on the front end of photosynthesis. So the company's second claim is that as these trees are growing twice as fast they're also adding almost 30% more carbon-based biomass than in these unmodified
0: trees. Wow. So, so these are some pretty big claims. This is not peer-reviewed stuff. Are these just? Are these estimates just coming from the company? I mean, how accurate are these?
1: Right. I mean, so far, these estimates are just coming from the company. This isn't something that's been peer-reviewed in a journal. And it's also from a laboratory experiment, very controlled conditions where they've observed these effects, these, uh, this product. Yeah. I mean, so far, there really isn't any proof from an actual forest planning that these trees
0: are going to do what the company says they will. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. So Grant, this is important to, to note. This isn't just a carbon sequestration effort. This is being done because people want to harvest these trees for the lumber markets. So what do we know about that?
1: Right, yeah, I mean this is really, really being driven by market incentives, right? The free market economy and all that. Uh, So the first thing to understand is that they're aimed at two very different parts of the market, these trees. The first is just what you'd think, it's wood. Um, (laughs) My assumption is that a mill is probably pretty agnostic about the genome of your tree, you know, wood is wood. But you should know that when you're in one of those big box hardware stores and you're in the lumber aisle, the odds are really good that what you're looking at, the plywood there, is poplar wood. The second market in question here is the carbon credit market. So, very broadly, that's where if you're a carbon polluter, you can buy someone else's sequestered carbon and sort of offset your misdeeds. The hope here is that these new trees are going to amp up a forester's ability to sell carbon credits on that carbon credit market. That's that's really the hope of Vince Stanley, the landowner who's participating in this experiment. He would absolutely love to make extra money on carbon socked away in tree trunks, right, long before he ever cuts them down. going to pay me a sum of money every year and I get to harvest the timber? Give me that. Give me that all day long. Yeah, and so the deal is here in the South, it's like 90% of our forest land is privately owned. Living Carbon has set up shop in South Carolina, and they're really betting that there are lots and lots more foresters in the South who want the same thing that Vince Stanley does.
0: Are there concerns, Grant, about sending out these genetically modified trees into the world, planting them in forests, and then maybe having them spread beyond our control? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, here's the crazy thing. These trees are so new, it's it's hard to know if people even know enough about them to be concerned yet. Scott Merkel is a forest biologist with the University of Georgia's Warnell School of Forestry.
0: For years and years, I've been telling people who ask about transgenic trees in the United States, there is no transgenic forest tree that's been given non-regulated status in the United States. But here we go with these hybrid poplars, and they're already out there. And I don't think hardly anyone knows about this.
1: And these trees aren't regulated because Living Carbon submitted their trees to the USDA just two months before current rules on reviewing genetically modified plants took effect. They were they were sort of grandfathered into the older rules. In the original tree, that hybrid poplar, it's already an invasive species in a number of U.S. states, even in parts of Georgia. And so Scott Merkel, the forest biologist, he says, even if the new trees are all female clones, the pollen they need to seed could come from these garden variety poplars that are already invasive on the landscape. He says, of course, you know, he can't be sure that that's going to happen, but it's really something worth considering.
0: It's such an interesting story, fascinating technology. And as we used to say on the program, maybe a good thing, bad thing about the environment, Grant. I'm glad that you're covering it. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank
0: you for having me. Grant Blankenship is a reporter for Georgia Public Broadcasting based in Macon, Georgia.